My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us online. A um, couple new things that we're doing this week. So for those of you that have already noticed, I would love your feedback on them. Uh, and if you haven't, don't worry about it. Not a big deal at all. So if you got your handout, uh, that would be great. If you don't have your handout, uh, what you can do is you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and you can uh, go to the Read tab. Scroll down to the bottom of that page. Click on the T, the white T, next to today's date, and you get the handout for today's class. Now, the handout for today's class is only, shocker, one page long. So... Uh, don't think you're going to get off lightly this morning, but uh, one page handout as we go into Mark chapter 7 and uh, begin to prepare for Mark chapter 7. So what we do before we start a new chapter in each uh, chapter of the book of Mark is we do a prep week and we go back and we review our process. And our process is what is on uh, the handout for today's lesson. Uh, it's very, very simple. It's talking about the Bible. How do we do this? The approach that we take matters. Um, and this is an important thing for us to actually understand. Uh, we typically ask the question each week, uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? If you have, if you have um, comments or feedback uh, on that question, please uh, go ahead and type those in now if you would. Uh, and I'm just going to greet for a second the folks that have already joined. So I see the barbers, uh, the Flemings are on the couch right here. So that's fantastic. Uh, the Skinners, uh, the Johnsons, the McClures, hey guys, uh, the Ericsons, the Clicks, uh, Cheryl Benefield, uh, Barry Cole, hey Barry, you're not going to get me to say it today, just FYI, there you go. Uh, the Samsels, uh, and Michelle Ray, and Jay and Becky, so welcome for all of you, appreciate you being here. Uh, if you have any answers to the question, uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far, I uh, would love to engage with you on that. Uh, the thing for me that has been uh, pressing on my heart lately is the timeliness of God's Word, uh, that there is not a, a disconnect in what we have been learning and studying about Jesus and who He is and who we need right now in our world. Uh, so the timeliness of that is a, uh, is a wonderful thing. Uh, no, Barry, that is not a virtual background. That's actually my library. So feel free to critique away. Um, I tried to pick a few of the, here I'll give you a better shot so you can just see the, uh, more of the books. I tried to give you a few of the books that are more theological that are over here. Uh, this is some of my, let's see if I can point to it. Yeah, this is some of my Mark uh, study material. Um, but if you have any questions uh, or feedback, I would love to hear those as you go through the lesson today. So a couple of things uh, that we want to talk about today uh, is we want to go through and prepare for studying Mark chapter 7. So if you've got your handout, go ahead and uh, open up to Mark chapter 7 and we'll begin uh, today's lesson. And I'm going to bring some of the material that we talked about when we had the series talking about the Bible into today's class. So you'll see some references to that as we go through. But just a few assumptions as we begin um, and assumptions are things that you believe without actual definitive proof. But all believers talk about the Bible. 
might not do it really well, might not do it flawlessly, might do it poorly, but uh, we all talk about the Bible. It might be informally, it might be formally, but we all talk about the Bible. And one of the things that I've noticed is that we don't always follow a very Bible-informed process. So the Bible gives us input on how we should uh, engage with the Scripture and how we should talk about the Scripture, and this is very helpful for us. Um, and in our current age of outrage, it's a phrase borrowed from Ed Stetzer, we can do better. Um, it seems like everyone is always at everyone's throats uh, relative to, oh, you made a mistake here. Oh, you could have said this better here. We can do better. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ deserves a Bible-informed, a biblical approach. So what do we, what are we trying to get to when we think about talking about the Bible? Well, we want to be uh, prepared. One of our objectives is to be prepared. Uh, Titus 2 talks about uh, when we are older, that we have responsibilities as older men and older women. Uh, older women are to teach. Older men are to be sound in the faith. And if we are to do, be able to do those things uh, older at the stage later in our lives, we need to be preparing now so that we're ready to do that. Uh, another thing that we want to do is to be found faithful. First um, Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Uh, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And we are stewards of God's word and how we engage with it matters. Um, and then the third objective that I think we should have is to be engaging. Uh, we are not trying to create uh, Pharisees here, but we are trying to engage people's hands and hearts and minds with the Scripture. And then there's a few things that the Bible just tells us that are true about uh, God's Word. So God tells us what the Bible is. Uh, it is authoritative. It is inerrant. It is clear. It is necessary. It is sufficient. Uh, you know, classic texts here are 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Uh, 2 Peter uh, 1 tells us what the Bible gives. Um, verse uh, 4 talks about that we may be, um, I'm sorry, verse uh, 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. This is amazing news. This is shockingly, wonderfully awesome stuff. And then number three uh, on the assertions here, things that are true, God tells us the resources that he provides. So God has given us his spirit to indwell us. God has given us his word to inform us, to, uh, to quicken us. And he has given his church to surround and to help us. And I, I hope you feel like I do that there is this sense of longing and insufficiency in looking at me right now through a camera lens, that this is not the way this was designed to be. I hear you loud and clear. This is the way we feel at our, at our house as well. We desire to be with you. I, I long to see you again. Um, I wrote you an email this week and I told you that I have, have been guilty in the past of skipping over those last parts of the epistles where where the author is shouting out and saying hello and greet so-and-so and greet so-and-so. And, and those have become uh, far more dear to us, I think, in the last few weeks as we begin to, to quarantine as a result of the pandemic. But God's given us his spirit, his word, his church to help us. The spirit in the Bible provide illumination and the church provides confirmation and or rebuke at times, which is a good thing. And then we obviously want to just scale up or down as, uh, as situations see fit so that we can respond appropriately. If, you're, if your four-year-old asks you about Jesus, there's a certain level of engagement that we want to take there. If someone that's your coworker who's an experienced believer, been walking with the Lord for years, asks you about 
some portion of the scripture, we might want to take a more expansive approach uh, there. But these, these simple process steps, I think, are very helpful relative to how we talk about the Bible. So I just want to review, this is what we do in our Sunday school. This is not an approach that is new for us. We've been doing this for many years. Um, I've been studying the Bible for a long time, and this is the approach that I've been using for a very, very long time. Just happened to, to put them all together into a, a single kind of unit uh, a couple of years ago. So process step uh, number one, process step number one is to uh, pray, uh, is to pray. And for each one of the process steps, uh, we've got attitudes, actions, and then kind of a bottom line truth. How do we practice that? How do we, what do we do with that? So our first attitude is uh, prayer. Uh, we come to the scripture uh, fearful uh, and not in a sense of, oh my, um, I'm scared of opening the Bible itself, but this is God's word, Proverbs 9, 10. And I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today. So just feel free to jot these verses down on your handout and then you can go and, and study and kind of review those a little later on your own this week. Uh, one more point about this particular lesson. Uh, there could come a, a, a day in the next few weeks or months where things get very ugly, uh, where you as a leader in your home are going to be more significantly involved than you might be right now in the spiritual formation of those in your house. Um, if you've never led a group toward understanding and diving into scripture, this is a lesson that you can go back to and listen again and think through and say, well, how should I go about approaching that? Because if somebody just hands you a thousand page book like the Bible and says, here, go teach this, that, <laughs> that can be a bit daunting. Uh, so these are just some ideas that can help us all be consistent with what the scripture says, how we should approach the scripture. So attitude number one uh, is fear. Uh, so Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we should, we should be... Uh, we should be fearful about this approach because of the significance that God places on and around his word. Uh, he doesn't take this lightly. This is not a joke for him. This isn't flippant. This is serious stuff. Uh, another attitude is dependence. Uh, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12 uh, is a beautiful picture in the Old Testament about God's children being pressed up into a place where they were they were militarily outmatched. There was a real problem here. And then one of them uh, prays this beautiful prayer. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And this is a, a beautiful place to rest. When we find ourselves not knowing what to do, the Lord is our place of safety. The Lord is our place of comfort. The Lord is our place of refuge. The Lord is our place of strength. This is who we go to. This is who we look for. So there's this attitude of fear and this attitude of dependence. And then this attitude of expectancy. Um, Psalm uh, 119, 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Not just there's new information that we can gain so we can be smarter, but wondrous things from your law so that we can see who God is, what he has done, and praise and respond appropriately. So process step number one, some attitudes, fear, dependence, and expectancy. A few actions. Uh, pray for illumination. Uh, pray that the Spirit would 
uh, illuminate uh, the specific the specific text that you have got questions about or that you are called uh, to teach on. Uh, a couple Bible passages here for you: First Corinthians two twelve, and then Ephesians one fifteen through twenty one. So First Corinthians two twelve, and Ephesians one fifteen through twenty one. A couple more folks look like they have joined. So uh, Grandma Barber, yes. <laughs> I've been waiting to say that. That's okay. Uh, the Arnolds are here. The Reeds are here. The Arters are here. The Millers are here. Yay, this is awesome. Um, the, uh, the Archers are here. Uh, looks like the Bandys, the Janikas, uh, Julia Gregg, uh, Pastor Gary is on. Good morning, Pastor. Uh, and then uh, Pastor Brian is on. We miss you guys too. I long to see you and uh, look forward to the day where we can get back together. So we're going to pray for illumination. Uh, we're going to pray for wisdom. Uh, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom. Hi, my name's Jim. I lack wisdom. Uh, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. These are beautiful, wonderful, confidence-building statements that God tells us about him and about his word. And then three, uh, pray for hearing of the hearers. Uh, Revelation 2.7 to 11 to 17 revelation 229 revelation 36 313 and 322 lots of references here but again all of this information is found on the our sunday school website you can go and look at the talking about the bible all the detail is there so it's there but these verses all said the exact same thing he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and there's a couple of assumptions here one assumption is that the spirit is speaking which is wonderful because we have the scripture, we have the spirit, we have the church, we have what God has for us to be able to know and understand so we can ask him for wisdom. We can ask for illumination and we can ask for hearing for the hearers. So our practice, our practice is pray before we talk. So we're going to practice uh, this particular lesson, uh, this particular concept right now. We're going to take a minute and ensure that we have an attitude of fear, independence, and expectancy about the scripture that we're going to hear. So let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate this week's text, Mark chapter 7. While we ask for wisdom, pray for hearing of the hearers and other believers that are studying with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good and gracious king. You are uh, sufficient for all that we need. You have given us your spirit you have given us your son. You have given us your word. Uh, you are wonderful and beautiful. And we come to you with attitudes of fear, dependence, and expectancy. We acknowledge that we are not you. We acknowledge that you have what we do not have. And we acknowledge that you are faithful and true to deliver to us exactly what we need when we need it. We pray for illumination. We pray that your spirit would would illuminate the text so that we could see wonderful things from your law. We pray for wisdom. We acknowledge that, that we are not wise on our own. We acknowledge that, that we are actually insufficient on our own. And we pray for hearing for the hearers that are listening to this lesson today, that, that we would understand more about you and more about what you have done so that we could rightly praise you and obey you as we should. We thank you, Lord, for being such a wonderful God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So a couple suggested resources for you here if you have um, uh, some ideas. Uh, the first is uh, Jen Wilkins' Women of the Word. 
Uh, it is a horribly titled book because except for the one reference about Roomba tights, uh, it is completely and totally applicable to everybody uh, that is a believer. Fantastic example here. Um, and then uh, it, it is just, I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough, uh, quite a few examples of just wonderful opportunities for prayer, uh, specifically how we engage and move into specifically pages 103 to 108 are just a gold treasure mine of uh, ideas there. So then process step number two is hearing, is to hear. So process step number one is to pray. Process step number two is to hear. Um, so what it is not, hearing is not reading. Uh, there's nothing wrong with reading. Hearing is hearing. Um, we are encouraged in the Bible to read the Bible, uh, but over and over and over, far, far more times in the scripture are we commanded to hear God's word. And, and I believe part of this is due to the fact that uh, for a great portion of history, uh, a large portion of Christians were illiterate. Uh, but you can always hear even if you couldn't read. Uh, so this is more about uh, hearing. We'll get to reading uh, a little bit later on. Uh, so what this is, is hearing the Bible being read out loud. So hearing the Bible being read out loud. So a couple of attitudes that we can have with this. Uh, first attitude is respect. So this is gonna be an example of this is from Nehemiah chapter eight, verses one through eight. So Nehemiah eight, one through eight. Uh, first couple of verses here says, now all the people were gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. From morning until midday, he read the scripture. There's a certain degree of respect that you have when you are willing to take your attentiveness and give it to something. I, you are saying, I respect this thing enough to pay attention at this time. So there's an attitude of respect that we can have. Uh, there's also an attitude of uh, deference. Um, Nehemiah 8 verse 9 says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. See, these folks wept because they were moved how their lives did not match what they heard. They realized that there was a gap between what the scripture said and the way that they had been living. And this gap caused them real pain and real heartache and real sorrow. And they decided to defer to the scripture on how their lives should be lived. And may the same be said of us. So what are our actions here as we hear God's word? Well, quite simply, uh, read the Bible out loud to others. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 13, uh, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Revelation 1, 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So read the Bible out loud to others. We have, many of us that are quarantined at home right now, perhaps the greatest opportunity that we will ever have to 
isolate and focus on our relationship with the Lord to find out who God is, what he has done so that we can respond in obedience. So first action here is read the Bible out loud to others. Second is quite simple, um, hear the Bible being read out loud. So the exact same verses here, there's a flip side to, there's no point in reading the scripture out loud if nobody's listening, right? This is the reading out loud so that others can listen. So we are to hear. So uh, bottom line truth here is he hearing isn't reading and hear more often. So our practice today will be reading Mark chapter seven. So I'm gonna read the text and if you would uh, just listen. I just want you to listen to the text of Mark chapter 7. And what we want to do is consciously respect God's word and position our hearts to defer to it, uh, to whatever it teaches in Mark chapter 7. This is, this is an opportunity to tell God, uh, here's a blank check. I'm going to submit and do whatever you would have me to do. Uh, Mark chapter 7. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, 
Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and sighed and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Oh, what a Savior. So this is reading and hearing specifically, hearing the scripture being read. A couple of uh, resources for you here. Um, Jeffrey Authors has a book, and I, I don't have a copy of it here at, uh, at home. I have several copies of it, uh, in the pulpit in our Sunday school class. Uh, but Devote Yourself to the Public Reading of Scripture is a fantastic book. Every single parent should get a copy of this book and, uh, and rehearse this particular book so that when you read the Scripture, you don't instill in your children a sense that the Scripture is dead, rather a sense that the Scripture is alive, because it is and we should treat it that way. So Jeffrey Authors, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So process step number three. Uh, I'm going to look at a couple uh, comments here. Okay, hey, the Dobbs are here. Fantastic. And the Bandies, yay. Uh, Brian Willard, good to see you guys. The McGarveys are here. Um, hey, the Greggs, good morning from Weaverville, North Carolina. I love the internet. It's great. Uh, and then Barry Cole, so even the preacher knew to dismiss for lunch. Yes, that's exactly right. And I will get you out in plenty of time to go to the 10 o'clock worship service. So don't worry about that. Uh, hey, thanks, Shanda, for posting the link to the uh, Talking About the Bible resource. Fantastic. That's the whole, I'm, I'm looking at the link right now. That's the whole uh, teacher series. That's actually what I am using uh, this morning to take some highlights from that and go through. So uh, process step uh, number one was pray. Process step number two was here. Process step number three is to think. So why should we think about God's word? Well, a couple of reasons. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Which implies that there is a childish way of thinking. So if there is a childish way of thinking, I don't want to still be in that way. I want to be in a mature way of thinking. And then Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is the classic passage. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. Uh, my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. Um, God doesn't think like me. He thinks about us, but he doesn't think like us. Um, and then Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This takes time and focus, and there is nothing in here about being hurried or rushed in our thoughts. So a couple of attitudes to think through as we talk about this. Attitude number one is humility, is humility. So this is uh, Psalm 119.15. I will meditate on your precepts and I will contemplate your ways. 
not contemplate my ways. We, we spend entirely too much time contemplating our ways when the scripture says here, contemplate your ways, O Lord. Psalm 119, 27, make me understand the way of your precepts so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. This word meditate is to think about, to roll over in your mind again and again. So this attitude of humility that, that God has a way that is higher and better than our way. Attitude number two here is wonder. Uh, this, another Psalm 119, 48, uh, my hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. I love. There's a sense of wonder and love and amazement here. And I will meditate on your statutes. And I hope there's been times where you just sit back and you go, I'm amazed at what God has said here in this particular text. And then Psalm 92 verse 5, O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. Now, my thoughts are not very deep. So I don't want to blow past God's deepness that he's got. So this attitude of humility and wonder of who God is and what he has done. And then an attitude of steadfastness. And I find that this is where I struggle the most, I think, uh, in, in obedience to this thinking clearly. Uh, Joshua 1.8, uh, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua was scared, we think, right before he had to go and conquer the land that God had promised the Israelites. And this success in this context is specifically talking about success in carrying out the mission that God had given to Joshua to go and take the land. Uh, and the way that he was going to be strengthened and infused with, with the knowledge that he could actually do this was to continually focus on the text that Moses had given him. This is to take what the prior generation had taught you and to focus on that. And there's something beautiful here about what Joshua is doing for us in this example. Psalm 1, verse 2, uh, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in, in his law he meditates day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. What did he tell Joshua? Meditate in it day and night. What does David tell us in Psalm 1? Day and night. This is not a part-time job. This is a full-time job of meditating on God's Word and God, who God is, what He has done, how He acts, how He behaves. So this is our attitude that we go into, humility, wonder, steadfastness. Our actions are to think about God's word day and night. You might notice a connection between the attitudes and the actions. I try to make these as simple and as clear as possible. So think about God's word uh, day and night. Psalm 63, verse 6. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Uh, something my grandmother told me once. Uh, she asked me if I ever had trouble sleeping. And I said, yeah, actually, I, I do every once in a while. She said, well, what do you do? Do you count sheep? And I said, well, no, I don't, I don't count sheep. That's not what mathematicians do. I said, what I typically do is try to perform some complex mathematical calculation until I just wear my brain out and then I go to sleep. And she looked at me kind of funny. And she said, well, maybe instead of doing all that, uh, it's what most people do is count sheep, you should talk to the shepherd. And I thought, ooh, that's pretty good. I might have to use that one day. So there you go. Uh, and then Psalm 119, 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. So if you suffer from insomnia, think about God's word. 
This is what this is an opportunity that he has given us. And praise him for that. I don't know if you ever thought about thanking God for a restless night of sleep. But if you have a restless night of sleep, that's more opportunity to think about him and his word. It's just another opportunity. And then uh, action number two is to think up. Uh, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. So God's word is far uh, from above. It's far further than above. So it certainly fits in this category. Thinking up on God's things. So bottom line truth here is to slow down and to think. So our practice here for Mark chapter 7, this week what I would love us to do is to spend considerable amount of time just thinking about Mark chapter 7. You say, Jim, well, how do you do that? Well, you, you probably want to pray for understanding and then you probably want to hear the text a couple of times, maybe a couple of dozen times, and then you just spend time thinking about it. And you, you might want to jot some things down. That's fine. But most of this is just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. You say, well, Jim, that sounds, that sounds a bit repetitive. Yeah, day and night. <laughs> and, and the more you do this, the more comfortable you'll get with this concept of just thinking about God's word. It is an incredibly helpful thing to do. Thinking about God's word. Uh, one of the books that I think is very helpful in this space is uh, Hendricks and Hendricks uh, Living by the Book. Uh, I got this copy. I, I keep giving these away. Um, McKay's always has like 30 copies of these, so I don't know why they do, but maybe it's the people that I'm giving to them are just selling them back at McKay's. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Ryan. Ryan got the t-shirt. We're going to, don't let me forget to address the t-shirt at the end of the lesson today. So there we go. Hey, and the Englishes are here as well. Awesome. Um, but there's, this is a good resource for this particular uh, topic uh, to think. So process step uh, number one. Uh, was to pray. Process step number two is to hear. Process step number three is to think. Process step number four is to talk, right? Is to talk. God gave us the church, gave us each other so we could engage with each other. Now, before we get too far into this, I want to make sure you understand what this is not. This is not talking to somebody else about what my opinion is. Um, That is a very me-centric, me-focused approach, and it's a great way to turn ourselves into Pharisees who know and hypothesize and do nothing. Um, God never calls us to guess about his word. So stop guessing, stop having opinions. They're irrelevant, they don't matter, they only lead people astray. So if somebody asks you a question about the scripture and you don't know the answer, that's okay to say, I don't know. Perhaps we both could go study that. That's a great answer, right? Um, so this is this step number four, talking, is not making something up and guessing or talking about my opinions. What it is, it's talking about other believers, alive and dead. This throws some people, it bothers some people when I say this, to, to better understand God and his word. This is a God-focused approach using the people around us and the people that have come before us to assist us in focusing up on the Lord. So a couple of attitudes here. Uh, attitude number one is incompleteness. Incompleteness. This is uh, Luke 2, 52. This is one of the first verses I had my children memorize. Uh, both of them, I could probably wake them up in the middle of the night and they could quote this verbatim uh, because this is what my dad had me memorize when I turned uh, 13 uh, because he had an approach for me, a very specific approach. I, I, I loved his approach, actually, on four different areas of my life that he wanted me to focus on. Uh, this is from Jesus' time in the uh, immediately after the uh, the 
section of scripture about the temple where his mom and dad had left him there. This is basically all we know about his teenage years. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and with man. And if Jesus can increase in wisdom and in favor with God, certainly we should accept the fact that we have room to do so as well. So this attitude creates space for the next attitude, which is actually incorrect on your handout. Your handout says it's incompleteness and wonder, scratch off wonder. Uh, teachableness, teachableness is what it should be. Um, so incompleteness and teachableness. And this is from Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. One of my favorite people in the whole New Testament. I have a lot of favorite people in the New Testament, but this is one of my favorites. Uh, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So his, his knowledge was insufficient at this point, right? So this is Acts. So Jesus already uh, gone to the cross, died, uh, buried, uh, uh, resurrected, and ascended. Uh, he only knew, uh, Apollos only knew the baptism of John. So he began to be, speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla older, more mature believers, heard him. They took him aside privately and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who he believed, who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And this is an example right here of someone who was mighty, who was eloquent. The scripture itself called this man eloquent. I cannot imagine his oratorical skills to be able to be called eloquent by the scripture. And mighty in the scripture, he was just deficient. There were things he didn't know. And he had enough wisdom to be teachable, to be coachable, so that Aquila and Priscilla could come and explain more and fulfill in his knowledge what he didn't know so that he could then go and articulate that Jesus is the Christ showing from the scripture. So we have beautiful examples from both Jesus himself and from uh, Apollos of these attitudes. So our actions, what do we do here? Well, we talk to those willing to teach. We talk to those willing to teach. We want to seek out people who will speak into our lives things that are consistent with God's word things that are going to help build us so that we can be the obedient, faithful Christians that God has called us to be. And then we want to use available resources. And, and I, get, I get pushback on this sometimes. And I say, uh, I'll, I'll use my, one of my favorite Gary Jared lines, you know, don't, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the person who wrote it. And Paul wrote this. This is 2 Timothy 4.13, this use available resources. This is, again, one of those last few verses in uh, this letter that Paul writes to Timothy. Um, he says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus. Now, that's a person. At Troas, that's a city, when you come. And the books. So these would have been scrolls and writings, especially the parchments. Now, th these were not, we don't believe, uh, copies of scripture or letters that he was preserving for some future canonical purpose, uh, distribution purpose. These were books and parchments that were beneficial to him. I'm sitting in front of my library because some of these books are very beneficial to me. 
They're very encouraging and helpful to me because people that have gone before, believers who have gone before, wrote things down that we don't have to start at square one for every conversation about the Bible. A lot of work has been done already to position us so that we can go and immediately obey, so that we can use the resources of the church. And there's all sorts of resources that we can go and use. I'm a very digitally heavy resource kind of guy. Some people are books, 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 books. Uh, I, I don't really have a strong desire to push you one direction or the other, uh, but there are lots and lots of really good resources out there. Um, I struggled finding good resources for a while, and then I came across uh, this particular book. This is by Danny Aiken. This is Building a Theological Library. So this is helps to answer the question, where should I even start with something like this? How, how do I know what books to pick, Jim? We'll talk to people who are faithful believers, who are doing God's work well, and ask them for recommendations. Um, another great resource in this area is uh, Kay Arthur's book, How to Study Your Bible. Uh, pages 152 to 157 to 192 are just fantastic resources. That section here for incredible synopsis of really helpful Bible study methods. Um, uh, I would commend to you uh, How to Read the Bible Like a Seminary Professor. This is Mark Yarborough's book. Uh, fantastic book. I actually read this one on a treadmill. Um, all of my notes look like they're uh, written by a four-year-old with uh, Tourette's or something, but uh, but it's just a, a really, really helpful book. Um, and then we come to process step number five, which is to share. Process step number five, which is to share. So now we come, after we have done the praying, the hearing, the thinking, the uh, talking, and now we come to actually sharing, to share something about the Scripture. I'm just going to run through these really quickly. Uh, a couple of attitudes here. Lowliness. Uh, this is Proverbs 15, 1 and 2. This is the soft answer turns away wrath. John 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. This never becomes about us showing off and, uh, and illustrating how big and important we are. This is a, I must decrease and Jesus Christ must increase. Right? If this becomes about me, then there is a significant problem. I, I love Bob Goff's quote here. When we care more about what our faith looks like than what it is, it's time to take a walk around the block. So attitude number two is intention. So this is Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Not just what the answer is, but how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked just pours forth evil. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool, uh, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. We have to have some discernment here on knowing how to respond. Ah, thank you, Brian. Uh, appreciate you posting that link. Yeah, this is the 2019 version of Danny Aiken's Building a Theological Library. Fantastic, fantastic resource. Um, and then the third attitude here is calm, is calm. Proverbs 17, 27. He who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. A man of understanding is of a calm spirit. One more attitude, patience, Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. We're to be slow here. 
And then Proverbs 26, 17, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Not a wise move. Not a wise move at all. So our actions, what do we do here? We speak the truth in love. This is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. This is wrapping everything we do in love. Because when we start to begin to share truths from God's word, people who don't like truth can sometimes get very, very angry. And we want to drench our words in love. And then the second is trust the Lord with the outcome. It's never been about us in the first place. So uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's none of that is about us. It all is demonstrating the might and the power and the majesty and the glory of God. So God is in charge of the outcome. So let's trust him and his word to do what he says his word will do. So how can we speak about Mark chapter 7 in loving ways, in truthful ways, in ways that trust the outcome to the Lord? Well, one recommendation for a resource I'd have for you is to get a copy of Mark. We use these little scripture journals. Uh, this is uh, all of the Gospel of Mark in one little book with uh, lots of room for writing notes. Uh, I think these are fantastic. We've been using them for about a year and a half in our class, and I, it's just a, a really handy little tool. So this is the process that I use to teach. Uh, I pray for help. I hear and read the text many times. I think about the text for days and days, usually weeks and months. I talk to a lot of other believers, some dead, some alive. And I finish by standing or sitting in front of you all and letting God's word do what it says it will do. And uh, I've been doing this since I was 16 years old. And uh, when I talk the Bible for the very first time, and he and his word have never let me down. And he never will. Because uh, he and he alone is faithful and true. So finishing up on our uh, handout today, uh, down at the bottom, uh, some practice that we have gone through today. Uh, praying, hearing, thinking, talking, sharing. I encourage you to do that this week as well. So that when we start Mark uh, chapter 7, verse 1, next Sunday, Lord willing, that uh, we will be ready. Your last piece of practice is to invite a member and a non-member. Uh, and then don't forget to, uh, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, you can find all of the resources there today. You can find out resources about how to subscribe to our Facebook and our YouTube and our podcast and all those types of things. Uh, if you want to become a member of Our Sunday School, just click on the About Us tab. Uh, listen to that lesson, the big uh, play button there in the center, and then let me know you'd like to commit to the membership expectations, and we would love to have you be a member of our Sunday school. Uh, so prayer time now. If you want to write in the comments any of your prayer requests, uh, lean in, engage, and pray for somebody that is not with you right now, and then go to the Stuart Heights page, Facebook page uh, at 10 o'clock and get ready for our uh, corporate online worship. Uh, I want to mention my shirt real quick. So Picard is a uh, Star Trek series that just finished up season one. And uh, when Captain Picard would give a order uh, to go somewhere or do something, he would typically say, engage. And this is his hand uh, and engage. So this week, I challenge you to engage with prayer, hearing, thinking, talking, sharing, and inviting others uh, around Mark chapter seven. It's good work. It's good for us. And I challenge you to go do it. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you next week, Lord willing. 
Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.